Well, good morning, church. My name is Lindsay, and um, I am currently serving as the ministry specialist for an organization called Covenant Kids Congo, which is part of our denomination. And I've been in that role for almost two years now, and part of that, or before that, I was associate pastor here at Cascade. And so I know most of you, but I did see some new faces, and so I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, I'm still a covenant pastor, and although my whole team is all over the country and mostly in Chicago, I do get to work um, here, and I actually have an office still here at the church, which is pretty fantastic. Um, so um, Covenant Kids Congo is a partnership with World Vision, our denomination, and the Covenant Church in Congo to bring community development work um, to the northwest region of Congo. Um, and it's a, a pleasure, and I um, mostly enjoy my job and my time um, serving in that capacity. But um, it's really awesome to worship with you every week and to be able to share a message with you this morning. So thanks so much for having me. I love being able to fill in. Pastor Dan's on vacation this week, uh, so you can be praying for him and Corey and the kids as, um, as they soak up some sun rays where they're at. Um, but I'm happy to be able to, to uh, fill in for this. So before I begin, I did want to highlight a couple of things. First off, um, on the back tables and as you came in, this is the most recent CWRD newsletter. Um, so it talks a lot about the work that um, you'll be hearing a little bit more about this morning. But on the back, there's a handy-dandy infographic that talks about the giving as well that denominations have done. Um, and so please pick one of these up and you can use it for future reading. Again, I'll be sharing a few things out of that um, this morning, but wanted to highlight it. Um, I brought those in my suitcase from Chicago on my last trip there so that all of you could have them. So uh, please pick one of those up. Um, I also did want to also highlight the She Reads True study, mainly because me and Tiffany are leading it, and I really would like the women in our church to be a part of it. Guys, you could too, but um, there's a boy's book. There's a girl's book and a, and a boy's book. So um, be sure that you don't get the pink one if you're a guy. Uh, but it's a beautiful book, and the idea of She Reads Truth is literally the, it's just reading scripture. It's reading scripture every day, um, but they build in grace days. I mean, hallelujah. They build in off days so that you don't feel like you're behind in the first week. Um, and so we'll be doing this an individual study that you'll do each day, but then we're all doing it together. So it's an individual together study. And then uh, we're kicking it off in Advent, but the idea is that we're going to be doing this once a month, uh, starting a new book, and you can get it hard copy or you can order it digitally as well if you're a Kindle person. Um, it's super great and beautiful on Kindle as well. So please um, check that out. It starts next Sunday, the first day of Advent. And then I also wanted to highlight the women's Christmas party um, on December 7th. Um, this is going to be pretty low key. So please plan to join us. It's going to be a festive opportunity for us to celebrate the season together as women. Um, there's going to be, this is what we're promising, hot drinks, good company, and cookies. I feel like that's a pretty good promise. I feel like that'll be fun. Um, if you want to wear an ugly sweater or ugly socks, you, you feel free to do that. If you want to get dressed up for an evening out with your girls, you can do that. I'm going to be in my jeans. I might wear some red, but please plan to join us for that. Um, we're really just going to hang out. We're going to mingle. We're going to eat. And we're going to drink some yummy things um, and just spend time together. There's going to be a short devotion during it, probably out of this book. Um, but it's going to be a really cool opportunity to invite your friends, invite your neighbors, um, people who might not yet know Jesus will feel comfortable at this gathering. So please um, plan to, 
to join us for that. Again, that's on December 7th um, at 6.30, but there really are a lot of really fun things for guys, too, happening during Advent. Uh, but you can check your digital bulletin for all the different activities. But it starts next week. There's going to be cocoa after the service next week, I hear. Uh, so plan, plan to stick around for that. Um, today we're going to be closing out the message series that we've been in for a while now. Um, a couple months since the beginning of the um, school year. And the series is called A Beginner's Guide to the Kingdom of Heaven. And I'm going to just say right now that I might say the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of heaven. They basically mean the same thing. So as I was preparing my message, I had kingdom of God in my brain. So that's what I kind of prepared. So just uh, keep that in mind as you, um, as you listen in today. But Advent, this is going to prepare us and lead us into Advent, which starts next week. And I love Advent. It is one of my very favorite times of year um, because it's this opportunity that we have to step toward Jesus to step towards Christmas Day, anticipating and getting excited, but waiting until Jesus comes on Christmas Day. And we get to celebrate um, the season of Christmas, which starts on Christmas Day. Um, and it goes much longer than that, but I just love it. I love it because it draws us near and it puts our, our eyes on Jesus. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. So um, as I was preparing the message, it was crazy to me. I mean, Holy Spirit moment. Crazy to me how much this message series leads perfectly into Advent. I was just reminded of it over and over and over during my preparation. So hopefully that'll come out um, as well. But we're going to start just by reading the Beatitudes. That's where we've been sitting for the last several um, months. Um, the Beatitudes are found in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5. And um, Jesus didn't call these the Beatitudes, but that's what they're labeled in our Bibles today. So I'm going to read them for us, and then we will get started on um, our study this morning. It says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is the section that we've been um, sitting in, and it's at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is probably Jesus' most famous sermon in the Bible. And today we're going to be recapping this series as well as talking about how to really apply it, uh, how to apply this passage to our lives. Um, so I wanted to start by kind of reminding us where this sits in Scripture, in the whole of the Bible and in the whole of the book of Matthew, as well as reminding us who Jesus was talking to in this passage. It's easy for us to just apply things to our lives and, and just pull them out of nowhere, but I really want to get in what is the original um, audience of, of this passage, and, and what was Jesus really trying to get at? And we see that actually in, in um, Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus went, um, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. This section really recaps and reminds us 
um, what Jesus' purpose was, what he was up to as he preached around the kingdom. Um, and actually, it's almost the exact same verse in Matthew 9:35, which closes the Sermon on the Mount. It says, Jesus was going through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. So these two verses serve as bookends, if you will, sandwiching five chapters of content. And Matthew is summarizing for us the really important aspects of Jesus' ministry. He's, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, and he was healing every kind of sickness. He was proclaiming and healing, word and deed. Jesus is preaching that the kingdom is at hand. He talks about what the kingdom is, who is in it, what you should do if you're in the kingdom and the blessings that come from being in the kingdom. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 20, or in Matthew 7, 28, it, it says that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So at some point from the beginning to the end, there was a lot of people who joined this, this party. Because we read, we read at the beginning, it says that Jesus was with his disciples. When Jesus saw the crowds, he actually retreated. He went up onto the mountainside to be with his disciples, and he sat down and he began to teach them, his disciples, so a smaller group of people. Jesus had been showing and telling everyone about the kingdom up until this point, but our passage for this series is the Beatitudes, and the audience of the Beatitudes is much smaller. It's a smaller group of people. He was talking to those who were his followers. He eventually spoke to everybody. People gathered as he was speaking, but he started with his disciples. He's talking to the committed, to the ones who call him Lord. And he's talking about who will be in the kingdom and the promises that await them. It's meant to be encouraging and inspiring to the disciples. But I also think it was probably a bit of a head-scratcher for them because Jesus was again talking about this upside-down kingdom that was countercultural and didn't quite make sense and was a little bit different than what everybody else, the Pharisees and everybody else, was saying. It was this upside-down idea um, where the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And we have hindsight, right? We have hindsight because we have the 2,000 years since Jesus. We have the rest of Scripture, and we're able to see what became of this. But the disciples were probably like, oh, man, Jesus, what are you talking about? What, is this, what does this look like? And so he does spend the rest of the Sermon on the Mount kind of talking about that, talking about the very specific details about what it means to be in the kingdom. But during this series, we've learned that the Beatitudes were not really this list that, like, all of us are supposed to, like, check off and aspire to. That's something that um, we've been learning the past couple months, that it, it really isn't something to, like, this list of character traits, right, that we want to be like, oh, yes, check, I got that. You know, oh, you know, I want to be, I'm pure in heart, check. I'm merciful, check. Um, you can't make up your mind to be pure in heart, and it just happens, you can't make up your mind to be merciful and then suddenly you're all about showing mercy. These characteristics are the result of God first working in us. We love because he first loved us. We are merciful because he first showed us mercy. We are pure because we are cleansed by him, not because of things we do or do not do. We're humble because he has humbled us. 
less about aspiring and more about what God is already doing on earth. The Beatitudes are an example of of God at work in all who come to him. Through the teachings of Jesus, we also know that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is open to all people everywhere. People from all walks of lives, of their life, different backgrounds, people who have made mistakes, people who think they have it all together, right? It's, the, it's everyone. It's available for you. It's available for me. It's available for every single person that we meet. So this passage and these promises are not just ours, disciples, the people that Jesus was talking to originally. It's not just ours to keep. These promises aren't just for us. We are connected to the power of God, and he's inviting us to be part of the transformation that he is bringing about in the world. And so I want to read the next um, couple verses in the passage, and these are familiar to many of you. Um, So I'm going to read it here. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be more salty, made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. Our light shining, our acts of service, the things that we do flow from our love of God. They flow into our neighborhoods and the world. And then ultimately they flow back to God. It's our actions doing the talking. When we are part of the kingdom, when we experience the life-giving power of God in our lives, we want to invite others into that kingdom with us. We want others to be in relationship with God, too. And we should want them to experience this upside-down kingdom, the, the kingdom that sometimes doesn't make sense, that Jesus was ushering in that first Christmas, and he's reminding his disciples of on the side of the mountain when he first spoke these words. And these verses are... They're some of my favorites, and they actually find their way probably into like 50% of my messages, or maybe even 75% of my messages. Um, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and, and, and glorify your God in heaven. Um, and so I kind of love that they were just like the next verses and part of the, the passage for today. I didn't even, you know, find a way to work them in. It's literally the next passages after the Beatitudes. Jesus was inviting the disciples 2,000 years ago and is inviting us today to be the light of the world, a light that shines for everyone in the house, to everyone in your neighborhoods, to everyone in our world, so that they might also be part of the kingdom of God. And with it, they'll have the promises that are found in the Beatitudes. And so I really think that this message is twofold. God is inviting us to partner with him in transformation by bringing the light both locally and globally. So locally, what does this look like for you? How are you engaging with our community, with your neighbors? The holidays are a great reason to invite your neighbors that maybe you haven't invited yet to hang out with you. Maybe it's cookies, candy canes, cocoa, cocktails. See how I did that? All C's. Didn't intend it that way, but hey. Uh, Maybe you're like me and there's maybe some neighbors. They've been your neighbors forever. So it might be a little bit awkward to all of a sudden invite somebody over when you haven't invited them over for the last five years. But you know what? The holidays are a great excuse to do that. 
It's a great opportunity to start conversations with people that, that you see on your walk so that you see, on, you, know, you see throughout your week. It's a great opportunity to do that. Let the holidays be your reason to do that. Um, and you can also partner with a number of local organizations. My two favorite um, are the Snoqualmie Valley Food Bank and Love Snoqualmie Valley. Uh, the food bank is always looking for donations. It's always looking for volunteers, especially around the holidays, to help with distribution. Um, you can help with that each week. Um, and we partnered with Love Snoqualmie Valley um, as a church to do some days of service. Uh, but there's also a number of holiday volunteer opportunities with them that you can do right now um, and sign up for your family. But here's the deal. I would challenge you, just like the Beatitudes aren't a checklist, being the light of the world isn't a checklist either. Jesus was sharing a worldview, and he was showing that too. It, you know, those bookend verses that we talked about, right? That his entire life and ministry was centered around this kingdom mentality of everywhere he went, he was sharing and showing the love of God. It was who he was. And as his disciples, that's what we're called to be as well, who we are. It's our, our wholeness of who we are. And so we might not have access to the healing powers of Jesus, right? Healing people wherever he went. Um, so maybe everywhere we go, we're, we might not be healing people. But everywhere we go, we should be loving people well and showing them the love of God. And so volunteering is fantastic and it's really important. But I'm, I'm talking more about a lifestyle of shining light. And what does that look like in our neighborhoods and in our community where we live? At the dog park, at Volition Brewery, or the farmer's market in the summertime, or on the ball field, or on the basketball court, in your workplace, or in your classrooms, at the grocery store, at QFC when there's not enough checkers. It's, the lines are so long, right? How are you shining the light of Jesus? Um, and how are you doing that in our life here at Cascade Covenant, too? How are you going to do that at the Thanksgiving table, you know, this weekend? I was, in preparation, I was looking up articles to see if I could find a statistic about, like, how many people fight with their family on Thanksgiving. And because, let's be real, Thanksgiving can often be a hard time. It's a time where your whole family gets together, and you might have different political views as that family member. You might, I mean, there just might be a whole gamut of reasons to argue or to disagree with people on Thanksgiving. But what if this Thanksgiving, instead of arguing, you shine the light in a different way? You listened or, you know, quietly rebuked. <laughs> That's more for me. I need to remember that as I go into family Thanksgiving. Um, but here's, you know, what if, what if it was more love and less um, arguing? What if it was this Thanksgiving? But it doesn't stop just there, right? We know that the kingdom worldview, the, the kingdom mindset moves us into the rest of the world as well. It's not just in our local community. It's also globally. Acts 1-8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to re receive power from God to do this. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In every single sphere of our lives. Jerusalem is like your hometown. Judea might be Issaquah. Costco, show some love at Costco. You know, then Samaria is people who are a little bit different than you, culturally different from you. Um, and then the ends of the earth is the rest of the world, right? And that's where we're called to be light everywhere. 
And so in my new-ish role for Covenant Kids Congo, I get to work with 80, 850 churches all across the United States, Covenant churches all across the United States and Canada. And in my department, which is Serve Globally, the mission arm of our denomination, I get to see and hear about some really amazing things that God is doing uh, globally through his church. And one of those uh, ministries is Covenant World Relief and Development, or CWRD. You might hear me say that so that we get out of here on time today. Um, but this is where our offering went this morning, and it's the umbrella ministry for Covenant Kids Congo. So I've been on this team since I started, but um, over the last five months or so, I've been splitting my time almost 50-50 with Covenant Kids Congo and CWRD um, to help fill some staffing gaps. So if you know anybody looking for a job, please let me know so we can fill that gap. Um, but I have been amazed by the work of Covenant World Relief and Development. In fact, I think it's probably one of the best things that the Covenant has going for it. I mean, I am just in awe of our global partners. I mean, in the video, Adam, who's my boss, Adam Edgerly, the director of CWRD, he mentioned that we have over 30 partners all over the world. And these partners, you guys, I mean, they're diverse and they're handling completely different sectors of community development. And they're, I mean, they're just amazing. And they're all community-led. They're all locally-led global partners, which is really um, a really cool model for ministry. Um, and so as you saw in the video, it really has, CWRD has these two arms. There's this relief arm, which responds immediately to different relief needs around the world. And then it has this other arm that is community development focused. And that's the idea um, of long-term sustainable community development in an area. But on the relief side of things, CWRD actually responded to 15 different crises in 12 different countries in a one, the last one-year period of time that we were looking at, which is July to June. I'm not sure that I would have been able to name 15 different crises during a one-year period of time that happened globally prior to my work with CWRD because we don't hear about some of these things, right? We don't necessarily hear about flooding in Afghanistan and Bangladesh. We might not hear about the, the famine that's happening in Kenya, or we might not hear about these really specific disasters that are happening in around where our global partners work, but they're the ones who are responding to these needs. So CWRD responds with, um, with gifts. And one of the most um, newsworthy relief efforts that has happened over the last um, year is the war in Ukraine. Together, as a denomination, we have raised nearly $1 million for Ukraine relief. I mean, that is absolutely amazing, you guys. We are not a very big denomination. And so those numbers are absolutely stunning. I mean, praise God. that The work that is happening um, to serve the people of Ukraine is absolutely inspiring and, and amazing. And it's much needed because the war continues to bring devastation. The numbers vary, but nearly 5 million people have fled the country of Ukraine and are living throughout Europe and even here in the United States and all over the world. And the number of internally displaced people, so people who there's a bombing that has happened in their town, so they've moved away from their town, but maybe they haven't gone out of the country yet, the number of internally displaced people is unknown in Ukraine. But the war in Ukraine has also brought attention to the 85 million people who are living as refugees. 85 million people living as refugees or internally displaced people in our world. That's the entire country of Germany. That's more than California and Texas 
put together. That's 10 Washington states. That's the number of people who, are being, who have been displaced. I've been hearing stories about 20-year-olds about who were born and raised in refugee camps, and now they're starting their families in those camps. The need is so great. The need is so great. But did you know that, the, that Ukraine and Russia also provide about 30% of global wheat, the glo world's wheat supply? Over 78% of the wheat that goes into Lebanon is from that region. And now Lebanon is currently experiencing major crisis. Um, it has an economy that's basically non-existent. Um, and the Syrian refugees who are in Lebanon, that Lebanon received 10 years ago, Syrian refugees, they're actually, their living conditions are better than some of the Lebanese living conditions because they're receiving aid from the UN and other places. And these are some really, really devastating things. The same can be said about Africa and Kenya. Over 30% of the wheat supply um, comes from Russia for Kenya. And we've just begun to see the impact that this war has on food security around the globe. The rise in the cost of fuel, which I know that we all have experienced, has led to inflation and other increases here in the United States and around the world. Countries that were already struggling to feed their people will experience hunger on a new level in the years to come. But just before we start to get discouraged, just before we really just want to bury our heads in the sand, we remember that our God is a God of transformation. Amen? Our God is a God of transformation. He is a God that will reach into those darkest. He is reaching into those darkest places of our world. And he is bringing light. And he is doing that through his people. He's doing it through his disciples, his church. Us, y'all, that's us. He is doing it. And Covenant World Relief and Development is part of that. And they are standing with global partners and responding. And that means that we can too. That means that we have a partner in it as well. Covenant World Relief not only responds to those immediate relief things, but as I said, they also respond around the world through sustainable community development efforts. Our global partners are getting upstream from the crisis. They're not just pulling people out of the water as they're coming by, right? They are upstream. They're trying to figure out and address the problems, the injustices that are happening, the, the root causes of injustice. They're empowering people and they're strengthening local communities through nearly every kind of project you can imagine. And most of these projects are pretty difficult to be like, oh yeah, no, that one's, that one's clean water, only clean. They're only doing clean water over here and they're only doing agriculture projects on this side because there's, they're holistic and they're complex solutions to incredibly complex issues, right? Injustice is incredibly complex. We can barely define it here in the United States. So imagine, you know, on a global scale, that it is so complex. And so there are projects that are addressing food insecurity and hunger, access to clean water, helping vulnerable children, economic development stuff, agriculture, anti-human trafficking, you know, projects uh, that are saving, rescuing people, peace and reconciliation projects that are teaching what it means to bring peace, the shalom kind of peace to a community. Complex solutions to complex issues. And just like Adam said in the video, um, I really wish that I had time to tell you about every single one of these partners. I think that, I mean, we would literally be here all day. 
because they're amazing. Every single partner that CWRD partners with is inspiring and led by amazing people. But I had an opportunity um, to, to meet one of our partners recently, and so I wanna talk to you about, about them. And the organization is called Ajir DRC, and it's working in and around the Goma region of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Obviously, I care a lot about Congo, and so this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this. And so for those of you who are trying to get your bearings about the DRC, so this is where Goma is. Um, it's on the eastern part of the country, and up there is where Karawa and Gemin are. That's where our sponsored children are through World Vision and Covenant Kids Congo. So it's really far away. Um, Congo is a huge country. Um, but just so you can kind of get your bearings, it's right on the border um, and actually touches both Uganda and Rwanda. And then South Sudan, which is one of our, um, one of the most recent countries in the world is up there and that's because there's been a lot of war and stuff in that area as well. So North Kivu, you might also, uh, there is a coffee that comes out of North Kivu, you can buy it at QFC, but it also is um, home to one of the largest refugee camps. And um, it's, where a lot of the um, militias operate in that region of Africa. And so people are living in fear of their lives um, all the time. And they've received refugees from Rwanda from the genocide that happened there. They continue to receive refugees from Uganda. Um, and this is to Congo, which is in the top, or least top 10 poorest countries in the world that are receiving and caring for these. Um, individuals. So at the base, or uh, in, in Goma, it also sits at the base of an active volcano, which erupted last May. So, holy cow. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much. There's so much there. And so I had an opportunity um, to sit down with Modestine last week. Um, she is in the Seattle area, and we went to Aroma Coffee. And, oh my gosh, it was so amazing to visit with her and get to know her on a personal level to know um, the name of her husband and the name of her children and to be able to pray for them by name, it's, I'm just so thankful for that. But Azir works to empower the most vulnerable Congolese, not just out of their situations, but to become change makers within their community. At the same time, they seek to magnify their impact by incubating and mentoring other local NGOs. So other organizations trying to do good work, they come alongside them and mentor them so that they can amplify their impact together. There's a Congolese proverb that says, a single bracelet does not jingle. And the idea of that is that when you have multiple bracelets, multiple people working together, they make a little bit more noise, right? And I'm pretty sure that you Team World Vision participants among us have heard this, but a different kind of African proverb that talks about if you wanna go fast, go alone, but if you wanna go far, go together. Right? That's the idea of how important it is and how cool it is that Azir is coming alongside other organizations that some, some people might see them as competition, but they don't see them as competition. They want to, um, Modestine wants to raise them up so that together they can make an awesome impact in Congo. It's so cool. So they primarily are working within these resettlements or refugee camps, and they're addressing the overlooked needs of the people who were displaced by the volcano, as well as installing water filters 
and they're exploiting um, or they're empowering exploited domestic workers. So in Congo, it's really common if you have the means to employ as many people as you can in your home to do a variety of tasks from cleaning your house to cooking for you to working in the yard. If you have the means, then you employ people. That's just part of the way that you give back to your community. Um, but oftentimes these domestic workers are refugees themselves and so they don't have the language, they might not even have the training. If you think about a family coming from Rwanda where they've been living in a very rural village and they're coming to Goma, which is a city, doesn't look like our cities, but it is a city, and they come up to a kitchen sink, what is a kitchen sink? They don't have kitchen sinks in the village in Rwanda. You know, or there's different cooking practices or things like that. And so oftentimes these domestic workers don't have the skills that they need to be able to do the job that they've been hired for. And so one of the things that Azir does is they actually train domestic workers so they are then able to expect and ask for a higher income, which is so cool because then they're able to pour that back into their own families and raise themselves up out of poverty. It's awesome. But you know what? There's so much exploitation that happens, and so Ajir actually has been negotiating contracts, basically kind of working like a union, in this area to negotiate contracts so that these domestic workers are paid fairly and they're treated fairly, which I just think is it's amazing. It's amazing. And it was so encouraging to hear Modestine share about this uh, because she has this just desperate call within her to bring hope and healing to her people. And it was so cool to just hear her heart and hear her share how she would like to bring healing to Congo. And I was so impressed with her emphasis uh, that she places on mentorship, discipleship, raising up the next generation of leaders, empowering them to serve their communities. Her leadership will have ripple effects for generations to come. And these are the types of partners that we get to partner with when we partner with Covenant World Relief and Development. How cool is it that we have projects like this that are happening in places that we will never visit, but it's through God's people, our siblings in Christ all over the world. It's absolutely inspiring, you guys. So how can we engage in this work? If it's not this checklist of things to do, but a worldview, this kingdom lifestyle, how can you become partners in transformation globally? Jesus' words um, and God's work in our own lives should inspire us to action and love and invitation and welcoming. We want to make room for others at the table in the family of God. It looks like giving money. That is one of the things it looks like. It also looks like praying for these organizations and praying for these leaders, praying protection on their families. So while Modestine has been here in the United States doing visiting churches and visiting partners that are supporting their organization, um, her husband, his name is John, their house was actually broken into by local militia. They were looking for arms and they held them all at gunpoint. They're all safe. But can you imagine living with that? I mean, that's just, it's pray protection over Modestine's family. That's something that we as the church have an opportunity to live into, right? So praying and finances, it looks like just learning. There's so many things. That's one of, one of the reasons I love the Thanksgiving calendars that you're like, wait, what? This is crazy. You don't think about some of the things that we take for granted that we're blessed with, you guys. It's amazing to live here. What a gift it is to live in this country. It really is. 
And so those are ways that you can engage and that you can think about and you can be inspired to transform. So I do, as we kind of close our time today and wrap around to the beginning, um, when I was preparing for the message, I was really struck at how perfect this series was, this Kingdom of Heaven, this Kingdom of God series, as a pre-series for Advent. Our Advent series is kicking off next weekend, and it's called Making Room in Advent. And many of us might recall a phrase often associated with Jesus' birth that there was no room in the inn. Our lives can sometimes feel like an inn. Amen? I mean, that's real. Sometimes our lives can feel like there is absolutely no room. Um, we might feel like that innkeeper. I mean, I want to make room for Jesus, but I have a lot of things going on. There doesn't seem to be any room. So this Advent, we're going to be looking at various ways to make room. That's what the devotion is going to be about. Um, but it's not about canceling the cookie bakes. It's not about canceling your trip to Snowflake Lane, because it's really important to bake those fun trips. It's not about canceling the Christmas parties or saying we're not going to go sledding this, this winter. Um, it's about making room spiritually in our lives and making room physically for the people around us. It's about making room. It's about having a kingdom worldview, seeing the world as Jesus saw it and living into that and inviting others into the promise that we have in Jesus. The Beatitudes have a bit of God's salvation is coming. Wait. And the same is true for Advent, the sense of waiting for Jesus, feeling, remembering what it must have been like that first Christmas and looking forward to the second coming of Christ when all will be made well. So let's be part of the trans transformation, what God is inviting us into. Jesus makes room for all people, even the ones that might be shunned by society, even the ones that have been living in refugee camps, even the ones who don't believe in him, even the ones that we might be super surprised about. He calls blessed the ones that we might see as burdened. He makes room for those at the margins of society. And as we lean into the Advent season, my prayer is that just like Jesus made room for us, that we will also make room to be part of the transformation. As God transforms us, and we are invited to be part of the transformation of the world and our community, globally and locally. So I'd like to invite the worship team up for our closing song. Um, but as we sing together, thinking about, think about how you might partner with God in the next month. Who could you invite over for cookies and cocoa? You know, where could you volunteer? Once or maybe ongoing? What partner or project of Covenant World and Relief, World Relief and Development could you learn a little bit more about or commit to praying for or commit to donating to? How will you be inspired to shine light and live into the kingdom of God?